to Second uh, Kings 5, just 1 to 5, and we could uh, stand while we read that, that would be great. Uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, like we said this morning, um, and uh, it is Missionary Sunday as well, so I'm going to give you some numbers, of some things that have happened already today, most of them are from Africa, because that's where all my missionary friends are. Um, but uh, we said this morning in Mexico, that's not in Africa, but in Mexico uh, yesterday, uh, this weekend actually, there was 777 people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, in Fiji this morning, we said that there were 28. Uh, they had another service, and now there's 51 uh, that's received the Holy Ghost, and 23 have been baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, in Africa, Mozambique, three people received the Holy Ghost today, and Botswana 5 and Sierra Leone 54 received the Holy Ghost. 181 um, reported miracles of healing in Cameroon. 47 received the Holy Ghost in Reunion, which is a tiny little island in the middle of off of Madagascar. Um, two people received the Holy Ghost in Togo, which is next door to Benin. 13 received the Holy Ghost in Madagascar. 16 uh, and 17 were baptized in Jesus' name in Uganda. 60 received the Holy Ghost today, and 31 were baptized in Jesus' name in Senegal. The Sullies, too, were baptized in the name of Jesus. In the Dominican Republic, 97 people received the Holy Ghost this Friday. Uh, in Kentucky, there was a kid service. Three people received, three kids received the Holy Ghost in Kentucky. Uh, they've had crusades all this week. 25 kids have received the Holy Ghost in Kentucky this week. And in Spain, uh, in Barcelona, one church. 12 people received the Holy Ghost and one was baptized. That's just the ones that I know of. God's moving. Uh, so thank you for giving to, to missions and all of that. And this is Pentecost Sunday. God's still pouring out His Spirit just like He did in the book of Acts. And we are grateful and thankful to hear these uh, reports and be part of that. Um, 2 Kings 5, 1 to 5, it says, Now name it. The captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. Uh, he was also a, a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the little maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. Raiment. Not raiment. Uh, a title. Simple. The faith of a little maid. Talk about that this evening. Let's pray again together. Jesus, we thank you. Hallelujah, God, for what you're doing. Uh, not only here, but around the world. God, we're so grateful. And I pray, God, that you would continue uh, to work uh, in our midst tonight, Jesus. I pray that you would speak to us through your word and encourage someone uh, tonight. In Jesus' name, uh, let your will be done, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated if you like. This one, I got some stories I'm going to tell, so it's uh, maybe not as intense as normal. Yeah. Is he out? Unbelievable. 
Not too bad. Um, the last little while, we've been talking about sort of broadly the, the faithfulness of God, but we're really kind of focusing on times in the Bible where he came through for different people, for different situations. And usually when we hear about this story, I've found um, we kind of focus on the man who was healed, which is Naaman and, and how he had to, if you follow the rest of the story, he had to obey a word from Elisha and he had to go dip in a, uh, a river that wasn't the cleanest river so many times. And uh, talk, we talk about the faith that he had and all of that and uh, how he was maybe the, the only recorded instance of someone being healed of leprosy in the Old Testament. And, and maybe even people will preach about Elisha and the power that he had with God. And, but today I want to, if we could, just turn our attention to this little girl. Um, she's the one who was a catalyst for this whole story. And there's not much that we really know about this little girl, and she's only referenced in a few verses. We don't get her name. We don't know her, her parents or her family or anything. But this little girl starts this whole miracle off of Naaman being healed from leprosy, and her faith kickstarts this whole um, chain of events. And we always look for the big names in the Bible. We want to be Peter and David and Moses and, and Abraham and all of that. But there's so many... Uh, miracles and incredible things that happen with these minor characters, these uh, simple, often unnamed people who have faith. In the, the New Testament, there's four guys who tore uh, the roof off of a, a building and set their friend down. There's a woman with the issue of blood, and in the book of Acts, there's the Ethiopian eunuch that God sends Philip to, and there's all kinds of nameless people in the Bible who God used in mighty ways and showed up to them. And I, I'm of the opinion that it's the ordinary if you will, people like this, people with faith who make the difference. I'm going to talk about my grandfather a bit. He's not a little maid, but um, he, you know, he just he just passed away, and and to me, you know, he was just my papa. He was there. He was just he was always there, and uh, all the time he was, you know, constant in in our lives, and. Um, you know, a rock, you would say, in our lives, and, and quietly just living for God. He never preached, at least from the pulpit. He would tell you what to do, maybe behind the scenes. Even the pastor, he would tell him. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't on the church board. Um, he was an usher once, I think, but I mean, everybody was an usher at the at our church for a bit. Um, but well, the one thing that kept coming up when we were celebrating his life and talking about what happened and, and his life and all this, and people would come you know, to, to the wake and the funeral, and when people discussed his life, one thing that they mentioned often was his faith. And he was, uh, he was on oxygen for years, a few years, and the last couple, he wasn't able to make it out to church very often, if at all. Um, but he never, he never complained. He never doubted God. Instead, uh, he thanked God for his faithfulness. My grandmother told me there would be times when he would just, you know, his lungs were quite bad and he would um, have a fit of coughing. And, and afterwards, he would just say, thank you, Jesus. You know, just faithful. Um, and it's people like him, I believe, that make up a church and make a church what it should be. It sees unsung heroes and maybe anyone outside of the, the local assembly would, would know who they are. Um, it's people like that that make a church 
strong. And it's people like this little maid that we're going to talk about a bit who are often the catalyst for the miraculous. It was her faith that set all of this off. These are people that just have faith. And maybe they don't get the attention that others get. And maybe people forget their names, but their faith is remembered and their faith is what impacts others. And so this this girl, we know that she was a child from the words that they used to describe her. I'm not going to go into all the details, but in Jewish culture at this time, a girl um, would be considered a woman around the age of 12 or so. And, um, some other things had to happen, but this, um, so this girl is likely younger than that. It was probably 10 or 11, maybe 12-ish at the oldest. And the Bible describes her situation like this in verse 2. It says, Assyrians had gone out in companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So Naaman, he's the captain of the Syrian guard, or Syrian army, and the army had gone out and attacked Israel, and as was the custom, they took some people captive. And one of these people who were taken captive was this girl. And so Naaman, as far as we can tell, he's basically kidnapped her from her family. We don't know if he, she, they took the whole family or just her. Um, basically kidnapped her and taken her from her home and gave her to his wife to be a servant. That's a good, that's a good life. She's maybe Julia's age. Maybe Annabelle's. Maybe in between. Imagine taking one of them. You go work for this person now. That's, that's what situation she found herself in. Um, maybe the rest of her family had been killed. Maybe they've been captured too. Maybe they're all servants somewhere. We don't really know, but this little girl, she found, she found herself in this position. And it wasn't through any fault of her own. She hadn't done anything wrong. She, you know, she was just a kid. Israel, you know, Israel had been acting the fool like they have been, and God allowed them to be attacked. And she found um, herself in this position basically because of dumb decisions made by the adults, not because of something she had done. And so, adults, your foolish choices can affect the next generation. So remember that. Don't be dumb. Live for God. We'll come back to that. But somewhere along the line. Someone had told this little girl about the things of God. Somewhere, someone had told her about the works of God. And somewhere, someone had told her about Elisha and Elijah and the miracles that God did through the men of God. And I think um, sometimes we can underestimate the importance of telling our kids about the things of God or the importance of having them in church so they can hear more about God. And sure, sometimes they make noise and sometimes they are distracting, but good grief, so are the adults. <laughs> We're going to be honest. Tell your kids about God. Teach them. Train them. It's our jobs as parents to do that. And I know most of your kids are all grown up. But if you bring your kids to church every week, that's about 52 hours a year. If you bring them to all three services, 156 hours in the year. Nova Scotia, um, we have 195 school days a year. Six hours a day, that's 1,170 hours a year. Parents, uh, your family probably has them the rest of the time, which is 7,434 hours. I know they sleep and they do things. And sometimes you send them outside to get out of the house because they're annoying. But do you have them 7,000 hours of the year? Your kids go to school and you come to three services. 
a week. But yeah, we can expect the church to be the ones that teach them about God. So you bring them to church, yes. But we need as parents, as grandparents, as family to teach them as well. Proverbs tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. Deuteronomy 6, we like to quote it. Um, because it tells us that there's only one God in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, but it also says uh, the rest of the passage, Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. We love That's great. But the next part says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Everything that's going on today, you need to be teaching your kids about God. This is what the Bible says. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and be as friendless between thine eyes. You've got to see it everywhere you go. It's gonna... And thou shalt write them upon the post of the house and on thy gates. So this is important. That we teach our kids. We owe it to our kids to teach them the ways of God. And part of that is coming to church when the doors are open to show them that it's important. And part of that is teaching them doctrine uh, on our own. We should know it too. And part of that is making our lives revolve around God and the things of God. It's not just something we do on a Sunday morning and maybe a Sunday evening or Wednesday if we feel up to it. This is an important thing. Amen. That's just a sidetrack for all of you. <laughs> you don't know when the kids are going to need to grab a hold of that. You don't know when they're going to need access to that. We don't know when they're going to need that faith that we've been putting into them. You don't know what they have to put up with at school. You don't know what curveball life is going to throw at them. And from the sounds of it, this little girl's parents had done this. Because somehow she knew about Elisha. And somehow she knew about the things of God. And it's likely she never met Elisha. Probably had no idea what he looks like. She doesn't even mention his name. She just says the prophet and she says in verse 3, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, which was the capital of Israel, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So she says to um, Naaman's wife, she says, Oh, that Naaman was with the prophet in Israel, and then he would be healed. And this is just a little girl who had heard about God, who had been obviously taught about God, and she was responding to what she knew. And this was her faith. She had heard that God did miracles through this man. She knew that her master was sick and two plus two equals four. So why wouldn't God heal Naaman? If that's what he does and this guy needs healed, why wouldn't it happen? That is the faith of the little maid. If God has done X, why can't he do X for me? That's childlike faith. If God can do that, if I read it in the Bible that God did this thing, why can't he do it right now? She wasn't in a position to really say anything. It wasn't her place. She was a, a child and, and a servant. <laughs> Two strikes against her. She should have just kept her mouth closed, right? Those annoying kids. <laughs> but she had faith. And faith will cause you to do and to say things you normally wouldn't. Faith will cause you to speak up. Faith will cause you to, to give like you normally would. And faith will cause you to pray. And faith will cause you to, to reach out. And she's likely only heard the stories of Elisha and the miracles of God. So tell your stories. 
Tell them wherever you can. Tell them to your grandkids. Tell them to your great-grandkids if you got them. Tell them to your, your nieces and, and your nephews. Tell them to your Sunday school class. Tell them to whoever will listen. Tell your stories because you don't know. <laughs> That's, you know someone's going to grab a hold of that. Testify. Nothing encourages faith like a good testimony. There's a reason Jesus said we need to have faith like a child. They just believe. Well, I know there's a guy that God works through when people are healed. So why can't Naaman be healed? That's just how kids work. Well, I know this happened. So why can't this happen? Here's my lunch. I've only got a few loaves and fish. You need some food, Jesus. Here you go. And he feeds everyone. There had to have been an adult in that crowd with lunch. They're not all that foolish. There had to have been. <laughs> 5,000 people and not one person. I had crackers on them. Or Snickers, I don't know. <laughs> but the boy is the one that brought his lunch. Because he's, well, Jesus needs something, so here we go. And that's how kids, that's how their faith works. And this girl, she finds herself in a horrible position. She should be home with her family. She should be learning and, and growing and just being a kid. Instead, she finds herself as a servant in a foreign country. She's gone through um, a traumatizing event, but yet somehow she has a positive attitude. And because of that, because of her faith, because of her faithfulness, God was able to use this awful situation and he put her in a position to influence I don't think it was a coincidence that this particular little girl was placed in the house of the man with leprosy. It's funny how if, if we have faith, we can look back and we can, we can see how God has been working in our lives. And we sometimes think of faith um, as this magical thing that produces miracles if we have enough of it. And maybe, maybe something will happen if we have enough faith and um, but really, it's, it's basically just trusting God and his word. And I told you on Wednesday that I would share some stories about my grandparents. So I'm going to show you how um, if we allow him, God, um, and if we look back with eyes of faith, we can see how God's working and how he's, uh, how he has worked. Like this little girl who just happens to be um, placed in Naaman's house. My grandparents, back in the, in the 60s, they had two kids, my, my father and my aunt, obviously. Uh, and work was hard to come by in, in St. John, I believe is where they were. And uh, my grandfather had become desperate um, for, for work. He needed to su support his family. And, and so he decided that they were going to move from where they were and look for a better job. Where? No idea. This was before the internet. If you can remember those days. It wasn't like ads on Facebook saying we're hiring out here. <laughs> he, had, he, knew, he just knew I need to go somewhere. I don't know where to go. We, we need to move. and Nothing's working out here. And so one day... He came home and he told my grandmother to pack up all their stuff and to get the kids ready. And he said, we're moving. And she said, where are we going? And he got out the map and he told her to close her eyes and point on the map. And wherever she pointed, that's where they were going to move. I know, right? Crazy. 
I wanted to do that ever since I heard the story. My wife won't let me. And so she did. She closed her eyes and she pointed to the map and it didn't land in the water. But her finger landed on Hamilton, Ontario. And so they packed everything up. They took the kids and they went down to the train station. They bought one-way tickets to Hamilton. And after the tickets were bought, they had a whopping $200 in savings left over. And this was the 60s. And with inflation, um, according to my Google search, it's somewhere between $1,500 and $1,900. That's all the money they had. And they landed in Hamilton with no place to stay, obviously. And um, so they're at the train station, and my grandmother gets a newspaper, and they start, they go to the, the furnished apartment section. I don't know if that's in the newspaper anymore or not. Um, she starts calling to, starts at the top of the list and starts calling, because they need a place to go, but they can't stay at the train station. And uh, no one would write to them because they had kids. And she got frustrated, and um, after a few tears and pretty much begging, on the phone, um, someone agreed to rent them a two-room attic apartment. Not two bedrooms, two rooms. Didn't even have a kitchen. She told me she had, she might watch this later, I might have to take it down, but she told me <laughs> they had to wash the, the dishes in the bathtub. That's how, that's how it was. And uh, it was just this tiny little hot <laughs> um, attic apartment. And there, there was no hydro, so after they got everything hooked up, there was very little money left, and some things happened, but I can't tell you the whole story. And so he, anyway, he ended up getting a decent job at a foundry making steel. And a little while later, they were off, you know, had some more money and saved and stuff, and they started to look for a new place to live. And again, they go to the newspaper, and he happens upon an ad in the newspaper, you're not going to believe this, but for a $100 down payment you could buy a house. They were running a thing. They had, they had some dumpy places they needed to get rid of, basically. And they couldn't move them, so they won't give it to you, 100 bucks. And so they called the realtor and they went looking. And they were, obviously, they weren't nice. They were in rough shape, fixer-uppers. Handyman specials, we'll call them. And they, they looked at all the houses and they didn't really love any of them. And the realtor said, well, there's one more house but he hadn't even, I don't think he'd even seen it yet. And so uh, they go and they, lo they loved it. <laughs> and that was the house. And so they put the $100 down, $100 down, deposit down, and they moved in. And a little while later, the UPC church in Hamilton decided they were going to go knocking on doors. And guess what neighborhood they went to? <laughs> My grandmother uh, earlier... A few days before, she had been praying and told God that there was something more to this life to let her know and to give her a sign or something. And while um, these guys were out knocking doors, the sun was setting, it was getting dark, and um, they were going to go home, but they saw the porch light on in my grandparents' house. And they said, ah, one more. Why not? Before we go home. And they knocked on the door, and the rest is history. And here I am... <laughs> 50 plus years later. And in the moment, you can't see God working. But when you look back through eyes of faith, you can. 
And you can see God's hand through that whole story. And I know to my grandfather, when he came home and he didn't have enough money to, to support his family, that was frustrating. And that drove him <laughs> desperate enough to just say, point at a map and we're moving somewhere. We got to go somewhere. We got to try something. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they landed on Hamilton. <laughs> or a coincidence that they got that specific house with a hundred dollar down payment that doesn't happen or a coincidence that the church was doing outreach in that neighborhood or a coincidence that the porch light happened to be on that night and sometimes we can look at faith like this mystical thing if we have enough you know cash it in for a miracle but sometimes it's it's just walking and sometimes walking and living by faith is just being faithful and steady and letting god direct our our path and when you look back through eyes of faith you can see how God has kept his hand on you. And when you do that, you just believe that he's going to keep his hand on you. And he's going to keep doing what he's been doing all along and leading you. And I believe this little, this little maid that we were talking about, she didn't allow her circumstances to affect her outlook. She was in a bad spot. She'd been basically kidnapped and made a slave and working for some lady that was not her mother and living far from home and probably her family as well. But she kept her faith and she kept her trust in God. She did not allow where she found herself to change how she saw her God. And that is a result of faith. Faith is trusting that he is in control. And it may look bad and it may look less than ideal. And you may be separated from everything you hold dear or everything you know. You may be struggling to make ends meet. You may be desperate. You may be ready to pack it up and hop on a train and go to wherever your wife points her finger on a map. <laughs> but faith says, I'm walking and I know that God is ordering my steps. I can't see him working, but I know he is. And this little girl shared that faith with Naaman's wife and he shared it or she shared it with Naaman who sent word and eventually he was healed from leprosy all because a little girl shared her faith and didn't allow the circumstances that she found herself in to uh, persuade her to give up. She didn't allow her circumstances to kill her faith. She allowed her faith to spread to those around her. She didn't mope and complain. She didn't keep it to herself. She shared her faith and it made an impact in the lives of others. There's no reason um, to believe that she was removed from this house. We don't have any evidence that she was set free or she no longer was a servant to Naaman's wife. Maybe she grew up and got married. We don't really know. There's no reason to believe that her circumstance changed, even though she had faith. We're always wanting and praying and hoping that our circumstances will change. Maybe he has you where you're at for such a time as this. Our goal shouldn't be to get out of the situation. Our goal should be to keep the faith in that situation and share that faith with those that God's put around us. There's no way Naaman would have heard of Elisha if it wasn't for this little girl. He wasn't even in that country. My grandparents may not have come into the truth if they didn't point blindly to a map and go with it. But God worked through that. And faith says, God has led me this far and I'm going to keep walking with him. And so he, my grandfather, like I said, he wasn't a man that, you know, on the board and whatever. But he was faithful. 
And he looked back and he saw all the things that God did. He said, I'm going to keep going. And that's, just, that's the same kind of faith I think this little girl had. God, God's done all these things. I've heard these stories that he's done. And maybe right now I'm in a place that I, I really probably shouldn't be in. And I don't really, probably don't really want to be here. But I'm here and, and God's done these things. And he's led me here that I'm just going to keep trusting and keep believing. And, and that's what faith is. Faith said, God led me this far and I'm going to keep walking with him. God is working behind the scenes and it takes faith to believe that. It takes faith to trust that. So, tonight, we're going we're gonna to take some time, if, we will, if you will, like we've been doing the last little while, let's just recommit our faith to him. I'm sure if we look back over our lives, we can see the things that God's done and how he's led us to where we're at. And maybe we're not where we want to be. Maybe there's things that are going on in our home and our family that maybe we would rather wasn't happening. But if God's led us here, he's going to keep leading us. We need to believe that. That's what faith is. If we don't have eyes of faith and we look back and, oh, that was just a bunch of terribles. That was a foolish thing I did pointing at a map. That was a ridiculous thing that, you know, that happened. I can't believe it. Whatever. Things didn't go the way I wanted to. We, if we look back like that, that's what we're going to see. But if we look with eyes of faith, we're going to see, we can see the hand of God working. Does that make any sort of sense? And so let's just, the, the, tonight, before we go, let's just take some time. Let's just put our faith back in Him. He's led us and He's working and He's doing incredible things in our lives and He's going to keep doing that. So let's do that tonight. If we can. In Jesus' name. Let's, let's find a place and pray as we sing. In Jesus' name.